Now I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles, please, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. And we're going to read again from verse 1 of the chapter. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, and beginning our reading at verse 1 of the chapter. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward unhungered. And when the tempter came to me, said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dyest thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh them up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth them all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to all of our hearts for his name's sake. Now, last week we started to look at some of the things that Christians might struggle with. And we said that probably number one uh, that we struggle with is temptation. As somebody said, if you could eliminate temptation, you would eliminate sin. And we pointed out that temptation itself is not wrong, uh, but it is the succumbing to temptation that is wrong. Sin will always result in misery and anxiety, and there are so many people out there who are miserable precisely become because there is some besetting sin in their life or some temptation that they don't seem to be able to resist in any way. And they're benighted by some besetting sin. But for the child of God, the Bible tells us that we can resist temptation and that we must resist temptation. And so for a few minutes, uh, we want to take up the subject of temptation again and we want to think about the way that the Lord Jesus here dealt with temptation. Now last week, just to remind you very briefly, we began to look at the subject of temptation, and we looked about this at the certainty of temptation, and we thought about that verse in James 1 and 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempteth he any man. And we pointed out that it didn't say if um, uh, he is tempted, but it says when he is tempted. And we thought about the inevitability and the certainty of temptation. And we thought about how the Lord taught his disciples to pray 
in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And again, in that, there's an acknowledgement of the fact that there is evil, there is temptation. And it's something that we need to pray about uh, and uh, we need to seek God for strength in order to overcome the temptation. And we see the Lord Jesus here. He is our great, um, he's our great example here in how he deals with temptation. It says in Hebrews 4 and 15, We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And the Lord Jesus is tempted here, but he's our great example about how we overcome temptation. So we thought about the certainty of temptation, how it's going to come, how the devil will seek by his wiles to overcome us and to get into our minds and into our hearts, and we saw something of the certainty of temptation. Now, we want to move on today to the second point that we had for last week, but we never got to, and that is the character of temptation. Now, Satan, first of all, I want us this is something important that we need to remember and that we need to see about the character of temptation is that Satan will tempt us very often at the point of our abilities, where we seem to be strongest. He will not go for the weakness, where we might be on guard, but very often he will come and he will seek to tempt us at the very point of our abilities. Now, you can see this with the Lord Jesus and last week, and I'm going to repeat it again, I was uh, saying there was no possibility that the Lord Jesus was ever going to succumb to the temptation. But the devil seems to have thought that maybe he could um, overcome him and that he could use his wiles and that he could uh, do what he had done to other men. And if he was subtle enough and wily enough that in some way he hoped in some way that he could get the Lord Jesus to succumb to the temptation. There was no possibility of that, but you can see the way that he works. How does the devil tempt the Lord? Well, it is in the realm of his supernatural abilities. Now, none of the rest, none of, the rest of us are going to be tempted in the realm of supernatural abilities because we don't have any supernatural abilities. But you can see the way, the thinking of the devil here, in that he comes... And the very thing that he's tempting the Lord about is his supernatural abilities. Turn the stones into bread. Or cast yourself down from the temple pinnacle and God will send his holy angels to bear you up. Or here's a kingdom, the kingdom of the whole world. I, I can give you uh, the kingdom of the whole world. And you can see there that it's in the realm of his sovereignty in the realm of his supernatural abilities. And that's um, not how he comes to, uh, to tempt the Lord. And it's the same when you look at so many of God's people in the word of God. For example, you think of Peter. And Peter was a bold, brash man. And you remember how he was tempted then, or how he did cut off the uh, high priest's servant's ear. Or how he was always running ahead of things. And Peter was liable to be tempted just in the realm of his boldness uh, and his courage. It often got him into trouble. 
Or you think of um, Paul, who was a man who was confident, a man who was uh, up to pride, and we're told in the Bible that the Lord had to give him um, a, a thorn in the flesh to buffet him, to keep him humble, to keep him low, and he was very liable then to be tempted in the realm of pride. You think of Moses, who was a man of meekness, and yet you think of that sin that he committed when he said to the children of Israel, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And instead of giving the glory to God, he, as it were, took some of the glory that should have gone to God. And there he was, and he was tempted right in the realm of his uh, strongest. And it can happen even with spiritual gifts. Maybe if you have the gift of teaching, you would be tempted maybe to lord it over people or other gifts that you're given. Maybe you have the gift of charm and people with the gift of charm can use their charm for selfish motives to get what they want. Or maybe you have the um, ability to speak and you have the away with words. And again, you can use the way with words. You can be tempted to use that way of words to make glib excuses for your sin or to talk your way out of situations that you shouldn't be in. You, you have a way of words. Or you think of people with a vivid imagination and what agonies they can undergo uh, that an, a more stolid person would never experience. We are often tempted in the realm where we are strongest. And we need to remember that and we need to recognize that. And because sometimes we can take those, and that's what the devil relies on. Because we're strong in these things, that we don't need to think. If you've a, a gift of the gab, you don't need to think about what you say. It just comes freely to you. Or if you have the gift of charm, that comes freely to you. You don't need to think about it. But how often it is that we find in the Bible that that is just the very area in which the old devil comes to tempt us and he will try and get the gift. You know, he would love to have people with gifts. And it's not the gift that he wants you to abandon. But he wants you to use that gift for him. That's what he was doing with the Lord Jesus. Just bow down and worship me. Use your gift for me. And that's what he does. He will try and get strong people in order to use their strength for him. So, you'll notice that the temptation is targeted here. But then I want you to see that it's specific. It's specific to our abilities very often. But then I want you to see that it is channeled. If you were to look at 1 John chapter 2, and if you look at verse um, 16 there, it says, and if you, if, you, if you go to verse 15 to get the context, he says, Love not the world, Neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now you'll see here that the Lord uses three categories or speaks of three categories in which we are tempted. Uh, he says, love not the world. And then he speaks of it, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, when you uh, look back at what the Lord Jesus underwent here, you'll f discover 
that the Lord Jesus was tempted. There was three temptations and that he was tempted in exactly these areas. For example, there is the temptation to physical appetite, the lust of the flesh. Look at John or look at verse three. And the devil, Matthew 4, the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command that the stone that it be made bread. So in other, or in other words, in order to feed him. And the lust of the flesh, sometimes we think of the word lust maybe in, just in the context of sexual sin. But it goes further than that. It's to do with all of our appetites, our fleshly appetites. Some of them are legitimate uh, and uh, some of them are not. But they are the lusts of the flesh. And we think of how the old devil here comes and he tempts the Lord. And notice those words that he says, if thou be the son of God. And this is like the devil tempting Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he says here that if thou be the son of God. And you remember how in the Garden of Eden, the old devil put that, uh, he put that question mark above the word of God. Did God say? Yea, did God said? And he comes now and he questions here, if thou be the Son of God. Now, the Lord had just said, this is my beloved Son. At the baptism at Jordan, which had just happened before this, the uh, Holy Spirit had come down in the form of a dove, and the Lord, the, the Father had said, this is my beloved Son. Now the devil comes and says, if thou be the Son. He puts the question mark in there. And now he inserts the lust of the flesh. Remember that the Lord at this time had been fasting for 40 days. He's hungry. And I pointed out the last time how that many of the commentators find it difficult to see what was wrong with the Lord Jesus turning stones into bread. After all, you remember the feeding of the 5,000, how that out of uh, five uh, loaves, uh, five, uh, five loaves and a few small fish. He had fed 5,000 people. That was supernatural. And many of the commentators have found it difficult to say what was wrong. Now, what was wrong is that all of the miracles of the Lord Jesus were pointing to his great work. When he raised the dead, he was showing the fact that he could bring death out of life. When he... Um, uh, for example, healed the sick. It meant that he was dealing with the symptoms of sin. And, and, the, and the book of John, the Gospel of John, speaks about the signs. They were all signs. So the devil is tempting the Lord here to do something selfish for himself. There's not a sign. And the Lord says, um, Man doth not live by bread alone, by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. But as I said before last week, the fact that people find it hard to explain what is wrong with the Lord turning stones into bread when he was hungry is just to indicate the subtlety of the temptation. And the devil doesn't come with something blatant, something outright. He will tempt people to kill and all the rest of it. But he'll Put a justification in their minds. He, they, they will go believing that this is something that needs to be done. Because the devil has tried to explain it away. He is subtle. He is subtle. 
And here's the Lord telling the people that there's something, he tells the devil, there's something more uh, valuable than physical appetite, and that is the spiritual, the inner being. And there's the spiritual necessities of life. But you think of the devil here, and he comes all so subtly. The Lord is hungry. The Lord is weary. The Lord is lonely, as we thought about last Lord's Day. And here he comes with this very strong temptation. You can see the way that the devil works, and he's often tempting us with our physical appetites, the lust of the flesh. But go to the third one. I'm taking them out of order. I'll take the second one um, down the line. But this is the temptation to power, and this is the lust of the eyes. Look at verses 8 to 9 of chapter 4. It says, Again the devil taketh them up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth them all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And the Lord doesn't contradict that. The Lord doesn't say you don't own any of these things. Uh, The Lord knows that he's the prince of the power of the air. He does have power in some degree in this old world. And we know, uh, I I think really what the devil was saying here is, uh, here, listen, I'll withdraw my opposition. I, I will give you the kingdoms of this world, and you can go in there, and there will be no devil uh, to oppose you. Oh, look at all the good you can do if there is no opposition. I give you these kingdoms, and you can go in there and do what you want, and all the good that you can do if there's no opposition from the devil. And again, you can see the subtlety of the temptation that there is here. And we think of the superstition in Africa, and all of the devil worship, there'll be no more demons. This is what the devil was saying. No more demons. No more devil worship. They'll bow down and worship you. And you know how subtle that is. You know we cannot compromise the worship of God. You know that there is subtle temptation to compromise God's worship today and bring in worldly entertainment and run the church as an entertainment show, something like the London Palladium, where you have a stage and dancers and singers. And I'm not exaggerating in any way when I say that. Um, There are churches, or so-called churches, where they will dress up and they will have dancers and all of the costumes that you'd have on a West End musical or stage show. And they will dance, and they will go through drama, and all the... If if you go on the internet, you can see any of those things if you want to bother looking at any of them. They're all there. And the temptation is, well, if the world likes that, we'll bring it in, and we'll get the world in, and we will have all the popularity that there is. But we need to be careful today, and you'll notice... It's, I said that this is the lust of the eyes. You'll see that the devil took him up to a high place. And he said to him, he said, uh, he showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. And he, see, uh, and he, he, he shows him all of these things. And you know, the devil will show us these things. You have it in the advertising industry. Show them how wonderful this product or that product is. 
And and sometimes it's legitimate and sometimes it's not again. But that's the whole principle. And we need to be careful with our eyes. What our eyes see, what our eyes look upon. Because there is the lust of the eyes. And we need to be careful about that television show. We need to be careful about that magazine. Or that experience that we go to see or whatever it may be. Because those things are registered in our minds and in our hearts. And we need to be very careful about our eyes. Because the devil can bring back what we have seen in order to tempt us in the day to come. So there is the lust of the eyes. Then let's go to the second one. We took the third one first. But there is the pride of life. This is the temptation to pride. Now look at verses 5 to 7 of Matthew chapter 4. Then the devil taketh them up into the holy city and settleth upon the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Now, this is the um, pride of life. The, the devil is saying to the Lord, here you are. They were in the temple. It's thought there, here. They were maybe in Solomon's porch. They were looking out over the Kidron Valley in Jerusalem. This is the royal porch which uh, jo- uh, Josephus lived in, the uh, Jewish historian. He, say, he said uh, he looked into the, uh, the abyss, uh, speaking of the valley really. But anyway, here they were, up on the high mountain, and the devil says, cast yourself down. Here you are, Jerusalem in the temple, all the people here. And if you cast yourself down, God has said in his word, and he quotes the scriptures, he quotes the scriptures, and he says, if you cast yourself down, the Bible says that he will give us angels charge concerning thee, and they'll lift you up. And my, if the angels come and lift you up, and everybody sees that you are the Son of God, my, they'll all flock, they will see the truth, they will see who you are, and this is the temptation. Let them see who you are. Let, let them glorify you. Let, let them, and of course the Lord does want us to glorify us, but he wants us to come from the heart. It comes from a heart of faith. And the devil quotes the scriptures. He he lays out a little bit in the book of Deuteronomy where he's quoting the the words in all thy ways are added. But he is quoting the scriptures and he is quoting them accurately. He lays out the little bit in all thy ways but uh, in other ways, the words in all thy ways, but in many ways, he's quoting accurately the Bible. Now, you might think, well, the devil well, he often does twist the Scriptures. He often does seek to undermine the Scriptures and uh, explain away the Scriptures, and he will do that. But there are times when the devil will come, and he will come quoting the Scriptures, And you know, we need to be careful just because somebody comes uh, quoting the scriptures doesn't mean that they're true. Because while he didn't misquote the scriptures, he's misapplying the scriptures. And that's as bad. 
You can quote the scriptures accurately and take them out of context and misapply them. And here he is, and he's tempting, he's tempting the Lord, really, to tempt God, uh, really, to test God, to see whether he would give his angels charge concerning him. And he wanted the Lord, really, to uh, let the people know how great he was. And you know, when you do that, that's pride. That would have been a sin. That's pride. If, if, if you just want to do something in order that people may see how great you are. And he's tempting the Lord to get the applause and the esteem of others, just for his own sake. And we need to make sure that we don't misuse the word of God, misapply the word of God. Sometimes God's people misapply the doctrine of perseverance of the saints, or really it's stated as... um, it's eternal security is really what they misapply. There's a little difference between perseverance of the saints and eternal security. Those that speak of eternal security just say, well, I'm saved and that's it. Doesn't matter what I do. Doesn't matter how far I go. I'm saved. The doctrine of perseverance of the saints says, yes, I am saved. If I'm truly saved, I am saved for eternity. But it will be seen in what I am. I will persevere unto the end. But we see the lust for power that many people have. And we've seen it in the last little while, uh, probably in the election there for the Conservative Party leader and the um, uh, new Prime Minister. And in many ways, the knives were out and there were people briefing against one another. And those that seemed to be friends um, maybe they weren't just as friendly as they thought they were. And my, how, 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 how tempting it is to try and get the applause and the esteem of others. My, we need to make sure that we don't misapply Scripture. We need to make sure that we're standing in the grace of God. Look at the answer of the Lord. It says, And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You don't tempt God. You don't test God. You don't, uh, as it were, um, seek to see what God will do because God is faithful in all that he is. So we see the certainty of temptation and we have seen something then of the character of temptation. But one more thing that I want you to see and that's the conquering of temptation. And I'm very liable to run out of time again. But I want you to look at verse 10 of Matthew chapter 4. Look at what it says. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And then, if you were to look at the parallel um, account, if you are, look at verse 11, first of all, of this account. It says, verse 11, uh, Matthew 4, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. And then turn over to Luke chapter 4, and look at uh, verses 13 and 14. And it says there, um, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him 
through all the region round about. And you see here that there's victory over temptation. The Lord Jesus conquered the devil. He conquered the temptation. We think of what it says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And the Lord is able to succor us. The Lord is able to give us strength. He tells us in his word that he will not tempt us above that which we're able to bear. And that's a wonderful thing to remember. When we're going through trials, when we're going through the anxieties and the difficulties of life, it's always wonderful if you're a child of God to realize that the Lord is not going to put you through something that you're not able to bear. And you know, we can rely upon the Lord today. We can rely upon him. And you notice the way that the Lord Jesus does overcome the temptation. The example that he gives, first of all. And you notice that at the outset, the first thing that he uses to overcome temptation is Scripture. You'll notice every time that the devil came, the Lord said, it is written. It is written. It is written. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8 and 3 in the first temptation. And uh, Deuteronomy 6 and 13 in the second one, and Deuteronomy 6 and 16 in the third one. And how do we defeat the temptations? We do it with the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How do we do it? We read the Scriptures so that that Scripture is able to wash us and cleanse us day by day. We memorize the Scriptures so that when we get into a time of temptation or difficulty or anxiety or worry, that we're able to bring the Scriptures to mind or able just to uh, look at the Scriptures and turn up the right place. But my, how we fight temptation with the Word of God. It's the primary means that the Lord Jesus Christ used here. Not only is there the Scripture, but there is supplication. We know that the Lord taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. Now, we don't read directly of the Lord Jesus praying here, but he's been laid into the desert and he's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, when the Lord Jesus was um, always, when he went to a, a, a desert place or a high mountain or wherever it was that he wanted to be alone, he always went there to pray. And the Lord Jesus is led of the Spirit into the desert here. But nevertheless, the Lord Jesus certainly taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. And we need to know the Scriptures, but we also need to pray. We need to pray for God's grace and for God's mercy in the midst. The third thing that we, or the second, third, third thing that we use against temptation is separation. Look at verse 10. It says, then, um, uh, verse 11, I think, then the devil leaveth him, um, verse 10, then said Jesus unto them, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Look at those words, Get thee hence, Satan. They're separation. Separate from the thing. And if there is a television program 
or even the television itself, or magazines that you read, newspapers that you read, that are bringing you into temptation. If there's something that's tempting you in the place that you go, or where you are, where you're working, or whatever it is, separate from it. Get out of that. If it's going to destroy you, if it's going to bring you down, separate. Charles Wesley wrote a hymn, and these are some of the verses of it. He said, I want a principle within of jealous godly fear, a sensibility of sin, a pain to feel it near. And then he uh, goes on another verse, quick as the glancing of an eye, O God, my conscience make, awake my soul when sin is nigh, and keep it still awake. And we need to be sensible to sin, and we need to separate from everything that would bring us into temptation. Something else we need, and that's sight. You need to have an eternal perspective. You'll see that in the Lord Jesus here when he's promised the kingdoms of this world. He knows that the kingdoms of this world are nothing in comparison to eternity and the eternal kingdom. And we recognize that God looks upon us. He sees us day by day. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And when we have that perspective and when we remember that, that God is looking down upon us, And when we keep that thought in our mind, that is a great antidote to temptation. Something else that we need, and that's the Holy Spirit. You notice what it said there in the portion of Scripture, and Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee. That was in Luke where we read that. Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee. He went in the power of the Holy Spirit. He, went, he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. And when he went out of the wilderness, he went out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And how we need to be filled with the Spirit day by day. We need to be, the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. And the tense of that in the Greek means, means keep on day by day, hour by hour. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit that we might be obedient to God, that we might walk with him. You can't be filled with the Spirit and then succumb to temptation. And we need to have the Holy Spirit guiding us and blessing us along the pathway of life. And the Lord Jesus overcomes temptation, and he always did. But I want you to notice this, that the devil only withdraws from for a season. Look at verse 11. It says there, and the devil leaveth him. And if you look in uh, uh, Luke chapter 4, it says uh, that uh, when the devil had ended all his, all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Now, because we overcome temptation, each victory doesn't help us, some other to win. Um, it doesn't. And there will be temptation back. And you might win the victory today, and you might succumb tomorrow. So we need to be ever vigilant. And we need to be always relying and looking to the Lord. We need to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to be constantly using the sword of the Spirit 
which is the Word of God. But the wonderful thing, child of God, is that we can resist temptation in the power of God. In answer to prayer, we can resist temptation. And may we learn to do that in this day and generation. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for the wonderful assurance that thy word gives that we can resist temptation. We know that in this world we are in temptation and tribulation, but Lord, we recognize that if we rely on thee, look to thee, then, O God, we can win the victory. Come, our God, and bless and be with us. Help us, O God, to uh, be faithful for thee in this day in which we live. Help us to work because the night is coming when man's work is done. Bless us now, part us in thy fear, and with thy blessing, take us to our homes in safety and watch over us throughout this day. For it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen. Amen.